Well, a lot has happened around the Americans since we last left you. That would be, what, a week and a half ago. We're not going to tell you every game that's gone down since then. But since we last did the conference show, well, something called the American Athletic Conference Football Championship game and the first conference team to get into the college football playoff have both taken place. We've got the full bowl lineup as well. And, of course, basketball in full swing. And we're getting close to the conference schedule itself. We'll tell you where everybody lines up in the standings, who's been good some cases surprisingly good and then who's had some disappointments memphis on the men's side there's a hint for you also the players of the week which were announced on this monday as they usually are for those two sports as well in fact we go so far back since we last did a conference show ucf was still going at that time but it lost in the second round of the ncaa tournament so let's go back of course and again we're not going to relive everything that's happened in the last 10 days but would be remiss if i didn't mention cincinnati beating houston first of all 35 to 20 convincing fashion the only thing that was interesting to me at the end of that thing was how houston you know it it was a decided fate cincinnati which had a great crowd it was rocking at nippert and was going to win the game easily. Maybe was going to give up a couple late ones to Houston, and all of a sudden it doesn't look like as impressive of a victory, but it ended up being 35-20, to 20. and of course on the very same day, as we all know, and this, who knows, could have helped Cincinnati completely get into the playoff or wouldn't have made a difference either way, but Baylor edging Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. Oklahoma State, last play of the game, almost scoring, stretching for the pylon, and coming up just short. Who knows if Oklahoma State had won that game, maybe the Cowboys get in with the fourth spot. And, of course, how things went down two Saturdays ago with Alabama beating Georgia. The playoff matchups were pretty well set because, first of all, Alabama had to make it. Georgia had to make it. Michigan had to make it because it won convincingly in the Big Ten championship game. And then Cincinnati is the fourth team. You can't have Alabama play Georgia in the semifinals. Therefore, you got to make one of them the one seed and one of them in that other game. So I kind of had a feeling it was going to be Alabama as that one seed and, of course, Cincinnati as the four. It's exactly how it broke down. And Michigan and Georgia will play in the other national semifinals. Congratulations to the Bearcats and rooting them on for sure. Four conference players were named All-Americans by the AP. This is the, I'd say, most time-honored All-American team. No Brian Batte on this one, incidentally, but first team honors to Sauce Gardner. Amon Gardner, the outstanding cornerback for Cincinnati, along with Houston's Marcus Jones, both AP first team All-Americans. Kobe Bryant, who won the Thorpe Award for best defensive back, was actually a second team All-American. And I happen to agree with this. I think Sauce Gardner is actually the best defensive back in all of college football. What do I know, though? East Carolina cornerback Jaquan McMillan also named second team. Kind of impressed with that. Navy ended up its season in the best way it could possibly do, considering they finished 4-8. and eight. The midshipmen will go in with a lot of smiles on their faces, getting a big win against, of course, Army, 17-13. to 13. Quarterback Ty Levitai ran for two touchdowns, and Army only had 57 yards in the second half and a season low of 232 overall. Ken Niamatololo, very emotional, said he just loves his teams. He's been coaching 31 years, 24 years at the Navy, and I don't know if I have ever seen a better display of leadership than he saw from his seniors this year. Things didn't go well. We had a lot of close losses to tough teams, a lot of people saying things, but they kept our team together. So congratulations 
to Navy. They, of course, will not be playing in a bowl game, but plenty of teams from the conference will. It'll all get going a week from today. It'll be the Myrtle Beach Bowl featuring Tulsa and Old Dominion. Of course, as we get closer to each and all of these games, we will preview them for you next Thursday. Sold out Raymond James Stadium, and that includes the upper deck, UCF against the Florida Gators. Both teams, of course, having a rabid fan base and going up against each other. That's going to be fun to watch, I'm telling you. Next Christmas Eve, it's Memphis in Hawaii for the Hawaii Bowl going up against, you got it, Hawaii. And then it'll be East Carolina. Congratulations to the Pirates playing in the Military Bowl against Boston College. That's Monday, December 27th. The following day, Houston in the Birmingham Bowl against Auburn. That'll be a fun one. SMU gets the Fenway Park game against Virginia, December 29th. And then New Year's Eve is the day of that Cincinnati-Alabama game in Arlington, Texas. That'll be a 3.30 game. Of course, plenty of time before we get to that one, but looking forward to it. The volleyball tenure for the conference did wrap up since our last show, as I mentioned. The one team from the conference playing in the NIVC was Tulsa. It lost in the first round to UTEP, a team that made it all the way to the semifinals of that event. UNLV ended up really dominating the thing winning in straight sets in the final against Valparaiso, which had straight-setted all of its opponents. So UNLV can definitely say, well, one of two things. They were the 65th best team, or they should have been in the NCAA tournament. UCF, of course, earned the spot with the conference championship, beat Pepperdine in the first round, but then lost to UCLA in a thrilling match. Coming back after losing the first set 27-25, taking a two-sets-to-one lead, but ending up losing to the hosts out there in L.A. 15-7 in the fifth set. The Knights ended up 27-7 and for the year, and they will return all of their star players, including McKenna Melville, so they'll be another big-time force to be reckoned with in the conference. I tell you, I've been watching a lot of the NCAA tournament, and i got to be honest, saw a lot of matches this year, and these teams that are in the Final Four, different level, man. And number one, Louisville, got a test from Michelle A. Collier, of course, former USF standout, who now is a coach at Georgia Tech. Her team took Louisville to the wire, but Cardinals win in four sets. They will play Wisconsin, which did not drop a set in any of its four regional matchups. And by the way, disposed of UCLA in straight sets, naturally, the team that took UCF out before beating Minnesota in the region final. Big 10 pretty good in volleyball because on the other side of the bracket, the 10th seed Nebraska took down number two seed Texas. That was a great match in four sets and it'll be Nebraska going up against a team that beat a Big 10 team for its region final. That'd be three-seeded Pittsburgh which topped Purdue. So those are your final four teams in volleyball. The semifinals are Thursday night, Louisville against Wisconsin Pittsburgh against Nebraska. And from what I saw watching those teams, I would not be stunned if the lower-seeded teams, Wisconsin and Nebraska, make it an all-Big Ten final. So mark it down. It'll be Louisville and Pittsburgh. So it's the ACC, obviously, against the Big Ten there. And returning our full attention to the American for basketball. And it's very interesting because some teams are racking up good win-loss totals against not the best competition, and others don't look that good right now because they're playing good competition, but it's a kind of a mixture of both because the Memphis Tigers and Penny Hardaway got the preseason rankings, and you can understand since we, again, last had the show, the 
two losses on the road to Georgia and Ole Miss, both in close fashion, but then come back home and lose a tight one to Murray State. Yeah, that's three L's in a row there, six and four in the conference. Best record belongs to, well, it's tied between Houston and East Carolina, but again, competition level. Now, having said that, Houston, before what happened over the weekend against Alabama, took down Bryant 111 to 44 and Alcorn 77 to 45 but then the real crazy game went down to the very wire controversial goaltending not called on the court or with any chance for review you probably saw what happened if you didn't and Kelvin Sampson apologized for it the next day Houston coaches were so furious they threw chairs all over the place there was trash being let behind there at Alabama They thought they were jobbed by the officials. It is a really interesting replay to look at, and if you appreciate getting good replays like I do, you can appreciate the fact that the above the rim, to me, made it look as though the Alabama player swept the ball away from the basket as it was going away from the rim and not over the cylinder. That's my thought, but I also understand why Houston was very upset definitely had a Final Four type feel to it. And people were watching because Houston did not drop in the AP rankings, staying at number 14. And Alabama, incidentally, is up to number 6, staying one spot behind Gonzaga, even though they had just defeated Gonzaga. But still, hey, number 6 is pretty high respect. Memphis has dropped out of the poll. In fact, no votes at all. Wichita State certainly could have been in line for some votes after winning at Oklahoma State, but they followed that up with a loss to Kansas State at home. They have since defeated Norfolk, so they are the Shockers 7-2. UCF has the fourth best overall record at 6-2. They beat most recently a couple teams that the Bulls defeated, Bethune-Cookman and NCA&T, and as a matter of fact, before that loss to Auburn, team that beat the Bulls, and Auburn had a much easier time against the Knights. It was 85-68. to SMU, fantastic week, going to 8-3 and on the season. In the last 10 days, they beat UNLV by 19, Vandy on the road in overtime, and then beat Dayton. Also, Cincinnati got the better of one rival, Miami of Ohio, but lost by 20 to another, Xavier. Bearcats still 7-3 and on the season. Most everybody in the conference above 500. Temple is at 6-4. and They've actually won three in a row since our last show against LaSalle, Penn, and also beating Vanderbilt, but they lost by 19 at St. Joe's. And actually, the Temple win over Vandy was in overtime. SMU beat Vandy in regulation. I should correct myself on that. Tulsa is 5-5, five and five, lost by 5 to Boise, by 5 to Loyola Marymount before coming back with a victory against Southern Illinois. And the last place team record-wise in the conference is Tulane. And now their program on pause due to a couple of COVID-19 positive tests. So it has hit a conference team. Players of the week, Vance Jackson of the ECU Pirates, 23 points, 8 rebounds in the win against North Carolina A&T. Becomes the first to have weekly honors in the American playing for two different schools. He was with UConn way back in the 2016 season, so he he spaced it out by about five years. Freshman of the week is Jurek Phelps. Guard for SMU had 13 points in their win against Dayton. Honor roll goes to Darren Green of UCF. The kid from Wharton had 18 points, four threes in the Saturday defeat of NCA&T. Marcus Sasser averaged 21 points with four steals per game 
in the Cougars' 1-1 one one week. Kendrick Davis for SMU, their leader, scored 19 in the defeat of Dayton. Sam Griffin of Tulsa averaged 18 points in their 1-1 one one week. And Morris Udazi of Wichita State, 16 points in their Saturday defeat of Norfolk State. On the women's side of things, definitely not trying to put a downer on Tulsa because, listen, they've got a new head coach, Angie Nelp, and they are 8-0, and 8-0 is 8-0. They're the nation's leader in assist-to-turnover ratio. Here comes the butt. Sorry, have to do it. They haven't played a Power 5 team. They have racked up against lesser competition. They played a team last week called Missouri S&T, the Miners. That is all I know about them other than the fact that Tulsa beat them 86-53, then against Central Arkansas, a 78-46 win. Like I said, 8-0 is 8-0, and they go next to an event in Atlanta. They'll play the host Georgia State in South Alabama, and who knows? They could go to 10-0. Then they'll play USF. That'd be the other USF, San Francisco. Then they have a trip to Oklahoma State. So if Tulsa is still undefeated coming into conference play, which begins when the calendar flips... I would be pretty impressed. I'm going to say I'm not going to get too upset because it's UCF, but I'm just a smidge upset, maybe not the right word, but stunned that the Knights aren't getting any votes in the new AP rankings, which, by the way, saw the Bulls jump up to 16. UCF beat Arkansas recently. Now, it was not last week technically, but they followed that up with a solid win over the weekend against Mercer, which is a Long-running NCAA tournament team always wins its conference. Knights went on the road, beat Mercer easily on Sunday, and are 7-1. and one. Uh, This is basically the same team that was second best in the conference last year and just outside the rankings. I'm a little bit stunned. Like I say, I see FGCU get 50-something votes, and right now if you put those teams against each other, I would have to consider UCF the better team, but... Again, what do I know? Wichita State is 8-2, third best record. Then it's Memphis at 7-2, Tulane at 7-3. They had a rough one in Coral Gables losing to Miami. That's no big deal, but also to Arkansas Pine Bluff. Got to call that a surprise, though they did follow that up over the weekend, defeating Troy. Now, Troy is the team that's favored to win the Sunbelt Conference. So the Bulls actually have the sixth best record, but by far the strongest schedule, as we know. Cincinnati and Temple are both 5-4 and four after having mixed results. Cincinnati took down rival Xavier, but lost to a future Bulls opponent, Ole Miss, which, by the way, is 9-1. and one. And Temple, with a mixed week, winning at Duquesne, losing to St. Joe's. East Carolina, 5-5, five and five. so is Houston. Again, the Cougars playing a tough schedule. And SMU has the worst record in the conference, but not a terrible record at 4-5. and five. Players of the Week on the women's side, Elisa Pinzon, our very own, shares the honors with Moon Urson because the transfer from Baylor, now with Tulane, the fifth triple-double in conference history and the first in Tulane school history. 18 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists, in that win against Troy. Freshman of the week, Tulsa's Tamara Poindexter averaged 16 points and six boards as they won two games. On a roll, UCF's Brittany Smith scored 18 with nine boards in that win against Mercer. Malia Williams of Cincinnati, six for six from the floor and only 18 minutes in the route of Xavier. Tania Thompson from East Carolina, 21 points as they blew out NC Central. Savannah Wilkinson from SMU, 14 points and 15 rebounds. She leads the conference in double-doubles with six in SMU's win against Delaware. And Tulsa's Wybette Mayberry averaged more than 20 points per game. Frankly, she would have been the 
player of the week, if not for Elisa Pinzon, a triple-double for Moon Norsen, and maybe the fact that Tulsa played something called Missouri S&T. That's going to do it for Around the American. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.